and episode 61. Welcome back to the shed, everybody. We're recovering from the massive party we just had getting over episode 60. There's been a couple of movie offers because I think Hollywood's been a little too slow to realize the legacy we're creating here. And that 60th episode kind of put us over the top. So there's been a kind of a parade of guys with tassels in their shoes in and out of the shed. Pretty busy around here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want it to dilute our product. I don't want us to become distracted from producing. Because really, this podcast is for the, the 30 or so listeners we have. That's who it's for. As each individual listens to this, they should remember that. Because they probably know 28 of the 30 people that listen. So this is 61 reconvened in spite of the chaos we're looking forward to it we hope you are i think we've got another list of interesting interesting that's pretty weak of great stuff that we have to talk about (laughs) here we go anyways well uh let's get right to those 30 listeners and give a shout out to the half of them we're up idaho peak oh nice not too long ago Nice. In uh, in podcast world. Yeah. And we saw pics, and unfortunately, none of the shed dogs made it because things were haywire down here. Like like Skinny said, there's so many people coming by with the contracts. and Yeah, I think just generally our lives interfered with our preferred life, which is to lounge about on mountain peaks <laughs> in scenic lake valleys. We had accommodations booked, some yeah. of us. We yes, were ready we to go. One so of us over. ended up in the hospital for reasons that are a little bit too gruesome to relate. Yeah. Uh, but uh, all One of doing, us doing well now. Just walked away from his $100 deposit. Uh, but oh well. And yeah, I wonder. Let's. I guess we should just repeat that RJ's fine at this point. There was a little hiatus in our production cycle just because he had a health incident. But everything is just duck soup at this point is that right nothing a little tube jam down my nostril wouldn't solve <laughs> yeah but man am i ever glad we didn't mention any of the you gross cut, stuff you just <laughs> cut you just feel free to just cut that right out oh no that's going in. Yeah. but no i was watching all the what was going back and forth and i thought rj was only in there for like two nights max but it was yeah not eight or nine eight did you days. say yeah and you know i did treat it a little bit like a country club you know yeah. once you're in there you're doing time you might as well Get lots of good books to read. Well, I don't read books often enough because I think I spend too much time on the computer, but there I was reading book after book after book, including a first edition of a book by Franklin W. Dixon of Hardy Boys fame, a first edition from 1927 of an earlier series that he did. And boy, was that fun to read. Just the blatant racism in there was quite eye-opening. That was the one about airplane bush pilots or something. Yeah. Eric Scott, Flying Stories. Geez, you got to figure in 1927, there really was some flying adventure stories. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they had him be the one that flew across the Atlantic first. Oh. And he comes home to these heroes' welcomes, and he's a nice guy, and everyone just loves him. There's two thugs that are completely evil. Because in this universe, you're either 100% good or 100% bad. Mm. There's nothing in between. It's very, very fun to read, though. Were the thugs identified by, you know, poor speech and stuff like that? Did they drop their Gs? (laughs) They didn't do that, no, but they always took the, did not give anybody the benefit of the doubt. 
they always were. So they're wise guys. Yeah. They think, oh, you like all this hero treatment, don't you? Like, you know, and he's just trying to live his life. And he's a good man, Eric yeah. Scott. Gosh, what's your problem? Yeah. There's a lot of gosh in there. And uh, awesome. there's there's a uh, a servant who is black of one of the people that our hero is trying to locate. And he talks like the classic, the way they used to write that they would oh, sound. So just lifted right out of Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, that style of talking. And at one point, uh, Eric Scott says, asks him how far a distance is to his master's house or whatever is. And he says, it will be about 10, 20 mile, I'd say, something like that, right? And uh, Eric Scott says, yeah, as is typical with his race, he was not very clear on the distance. I thought, oh my God. Like this is 1927. So how long is that after the Civil War was fought? 70 years. It's nice to know that even though society is nowhere near where it needs to be, it's really come a long way since 1927. I That's, think. Yeah, 60 years after the Civil War and 100 years before now. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. Call yeah. it 90 for fun. Just remarkable. Wow. And, you know, the, the character is a positive character. Yeah. But he is, I think that's what you would call your uncle, what he, Uncle Tom kind of character, maybe, who's black and really loves his white master. Yeah. And, uh, but he's a good guy kind of thing. So, yeah. And I read an amazing uh, graphic novel called My Favorite Thing is Monsters, the most phenomenal artwork. Captain Bob had told me about this. I bought it three, four years ago. And since I don't read anything, it just sat there at home. So I actually had time nice. to read it. My God, the drawing on it's so beautiful. I'm not going to say anything else about it. But if you like the, them graphic novels, you've probably already heard about it because it did win some awards and whatnot. What's my, the name? my favorite thing is Monsters. Ooh. Well, there you go. I I don't know if I've ever read a graphic novel, actually, but... Yeah, well, I mean, this particular one is the kind that, let's say you have four frames on a page. Um, as you read through each one, you're noticing all kinds of little details that really add flavor to it. And then a couple frames later, they'll refer back to something you just heard. So you get all these connections going on in your mind in addition to the beautiful artwork that are like, it's almost like the, the writer is writing to you on two levels. You know, one is the story and one is these little gotchas that show up in the margins and whatnot and lots of humor in it. Uh, and then lots of drama. And, uh, yeah, we find out much surprises. It basically is at, at its heart. It is a mystery. Huh. Well, good. I'm glad you got to read that. No, not for kids. No, cause I was funny. I was talking to a nurse and showing her beautiful artwork and I hadn't read through it. And there's a lot of graphic depiction of this or that not graphic. No, but, but definite, there's definite sexual things that happen later on and, and kind of gender, some gender bending stuff like that. And so anyway, she's saying, oh, my daughter's really into monsters, right? <laughs> and so I flip a page forward or two. And one of the coolest features of this is the chapters. Each new chapter is she'll have a classic magazine cover on the left, like these horror magazines that you could buy, horror comics you could buy as a kid. And so she will draw, she being our author, she will draw this amazing cover that's quite often, you know, scary. 
And so, yeah, we flipped to one of those and the nurse said, yeah, I don't, I don't think she's old enough for this yet. <laughs> she's like eight or something, right? But it would definitely be fine for, I'd say, age 14, 15 up, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. But so you're, like, you're all good now, right? They've told you everything's fixed and you don't ever have to go back again, right? I'm all good. They're going to do one more test on me because this could recur every five to 10 years. And so they have a hope that they can actually identify a particular syndrome. And if that happens, then there are drugs for that. And that's, you know, our friend, uh, Kroner's syndrome, Mm. which is quite, Mm. quite almost a pun when you call it that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And as a result of that, the result of your incarceration, the result of your foolish, whatever you did to get yourself into that situation, because it's clearly your fault. I got to go see... Uh, Sir Paul, Sir Paul McCartney at uh, Rogers Arena. No, at BC Place. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was wondering what the reference was. I didn't know that you did that. Yeah, I did because RJ couldn't make it and he'd bought the ticket and he graciously allowed me to use it. So I went with Sue and I watched him. And, you know, like it's just kind of a pity that you couldn't go, RJ, because I'm just not much of a, sure, I'm pretty much familiar with the oeuvre, but I'm not a big music guy. But I went and I went thinking, well, you know, Sir Paul's a million years old and you have to call him Sir Paul, which irritates me a little bit. You don't bit. have to call him that. I know, but I feel like you do because he tried pretty hard to get to be Sir whatever. Or did he? Did he? he did, did they not. refuse those MBEs or what? No, no. But I think the Beatles got him given to him really young, like they were yeah. si- in 1967 or 60, yeah. probably more 66. And John would have made kind of fun of it. But they, I think they all accepted them. Yeah. I know that when John performed for the Queen, and the Queen's up in the balcony, and uh, John says to, uh, like it's at some kind of theater in London, right? And John says, um, thanks for all the claps up there in the balcony. You can just rattle your jewelry. <laughs> Which I thought was an awesome line. Well, where I was going with that was... I haven't had an unalloyedly positive view of Paul McCartney for the last, you know, 10 years. I just think it's the same with the Stones. I just kind of think, pack it in, boys. You're too old. But I went to this concert and I ended up feeling quite warmly to him because he was funny. He offered a lot of those anecdotes that let you know that this guy's been in the center of the music world for 50 or 60 years. You know, stories about how they released Sgt. Pepper on a Friday, and by the time they went to see Jimi Hendrix in concert on a Sunday, he'd already learned the Sgt. Pepper, and he played it at his concert because he thought oh. it was a great album. Oh, you know, really? Those kind of stories, you sort of think, geez, we're going to miss this guy when he's gone. Like, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah. seen some stuff. He's done some stuff. He told nice little warm anecdotes about the Beatles that are already deceased, and he played their songs and he shouted out to them. He said, this one's for, this one's for George. And uh, he didn't try to hide his voice. His voice is shot. Eh? Like he, he's, he's got, what, what's the name of it when you try really hard? The screaming range. You know, when you, you we discussed this on a prior podcast. The, the belting range. The belting range. He's got his belting range and nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. So he can hit those high notes, but his middle notes are real. Crusty. Questionable. But he didn't try to hide it. He didn't bury himself in background vocals. He didn't lip sync anything. He just sang it. And you could hear him clearly singing it. And I thought, okay, good for you. If you're not going to try to fake like this is 30 years ago, good for you. And he did a, 
really good shout out to that girl who recorded Blackbird in Mi'kmaq. Mm-hmm. She was in the audience that night and he met her. How oh, nice. Prior. And he said. How oh, nice for her. Too. Yeah. And he said, he said, I talked to her and I told her it was just beautiful. And I was going to be a little nervous doing my version of it, <laughs> which he then did. You know, I mean, it was pretty cool. Like I, I thought that was pretty great. That is great. Uh, so all in all, I came away feeling pretty good about Sir Paul and the sound was it was in BC Place, so the sound is never going to be like listening to a record. But they had all uh, visual effects. And the other thing I thought was sort of funny about it was, so you go there, and I'm not a big concert goer, but you go there, and you're way up in the stands, and you look down at the stage, and there's Sir Paul, and he's this tiny little ant-like figure. You can't even see him. But they have the jumboest of jumbotrons next to each side of the stage. So you just watch the Jumbotron for yeah. the entire concert. Yeah. And, you you know, you, I find myself thinking, why aren't I just doing this at home? I'm <laughs> just really watching TV. No, because it's know. not live. I know. It's it's the, that is the key thing. The fact that you're watching the jum- Jumbotron really doesn't matter. Yeah. The fact that if he makes a mistake, you're going to hear it wow. is uh, is what makes it worthwhile. I didn't detect any mistakes. Well, the voice thing, not the a voice thing, so but much, I mean, he's playing all. He plays, played the mandolin, played his bass, played the piano, played. Did he play? Uh, How big was the band? It wasn't really that big. Mm. They had uh, two guitarist, vocalists, and a drummer. They had a horn section. A three-person horn section for some of the songs. Nice. <clears throat> really great. So Ringo wasn't here. Ringo. No, he was in Detroit, sadly. Uh, their last North American stop. Uh. I did see the video of that. But it was, it was, I enjoyed it very well, and I was really pleased to come away valuing Paul McCartney more than I have been. Because like I said, uh, it was just, when he tells those stories, and he, you know, he told about Blackbird. Why did he write that song? Well, because over in England, they were hearing about civil rights unrest in North America and the United States, and he wanted to be supportive of that. And that song was written in support of the civil rights movement in the United States. Didn't know that. Mm. Um, And little anecdotes like that, and you sort of think, Jesus, this guy's been in the center of most of every important entertainment. I don't know. That's probably a bit much, but a lot. He's been a lot. He played a lot of his wing stuff. He made jokes. Oh, he did? Yeah, he played some of the stuff that he's doing right now. He made jokes and said, you know, we know that you guys don't want to hear the new stuff. You just want to hear the old stuff. We can tell because you only put on your phone lights for the old stuff. (laughs) He says, but we don't care. We're just going to do the new stuff anyways. And he does it. And of course, everyone puts their phone lights on. Oh, of course they do. And then he thanks them all after. Very nice. You know, it was pretty good. I like that interaction. Yeah, he was was quite good with all of that. And he, he does his stupid little dance moves. And then you sort of think, he's 78, man. Like being able to move at all is pretty remarkable. He played for three full hours. 78? I believe so, yeah. And three full hours. That's a lot to be, no matter how shot your voice is, you're making a big effort to make noise for three hours. Well, I would have loved it. And uh, I really enjoyed hearing about it actually. Yeah. Because I'm like that. Like I like when people show me their vacation photos, even though, and I kind of almost feel like I'm there, you know, and it's the same thing with a concert. Uh, PJ uh, actually (laughs) typed in the playlist as it went. So then the next morning, I think it was, he sent me the entire playlist 
and some notes about some of the songs. <laughs> and it was like, great. I really enjoyed that. Well, it's because, because yeah. I knew he would like that. And you put in stuff like losing voice here and then three, <laughs> lo- three songs yeah. later, voice completely gone. You know, <laughs> this is like seven songs into a three yeah. hour set voice completely. Yeah. Gone. I mean, he could afford to have a full-time doctor on staff and he might well, or a voice you, specialist, you know, yeah, but know. there's only so much you can do. But you know, and over the years, he would have known every little trick. Yeah. Well, on the album, when he sings "Let It Be," it's nice and smooth. Let it be. When he sings it there, it's "Let It Be." <laughs> you know, he has to. Yeah. He can't do it as a continuous sound. I uh, don't think yeah, he can. His yeah. voice just doesn't work that way anymore. Well, there's another performance that I uh, read about recently. No, I heard about it actually. It's the Word in Your Ear podcast. Those guys that we've listened to for a long time. They went and listened to a performance of Abbey Road at the Abbey Road Studios. Now, the band doing the performance, they're called the Analogs. They are, I believe, from the Netherlands. Their whole shtick is to completely, completely, if at all possible, perfectly reproduce this amazing studio album live. Wow. So they... They, including uh, just just let it be have the orchestral run up stuff yeah they'll do whatever they can like wow. uh, it's not let it be did I say let it be it was so. Abbey Road so I, the I'm sorry I might have mixed it up yeah anyways, so, so anyways Abbey the Abbey Road album which as you know is going to be really hard to reproduce in general so apparently flawless from mm. the boys from uh, Mark Allen and David Hepworth huh. uh, they went there they got to see it with a small group of a few hundred maybe um, and then, and then, so what they do is they treat it like an orchestra, you know? So if you're performing Beethoven, do you try and make it as different as possible from the original just to show your creative flair? No, you try and perform it as Beethoven wanted it to be performed. So that's their attitude with this. And I can buy into that. Like it would be really fun. They did a couple things though. A, no effort to look like the Beatles. Yeah. None. B, no effort to sound like the Beatles. They would sing with the same cadence, the same notes. They'd try and reproduce it faithfully, but there was none of this kind of like, I know I can sound like John or Paul. So that, that, that the, the reviewers, I, I, uh, really appreciated that. But otherwise they're trying to do it verbatim. They would have the core band. Yes. The core band of maybe around five, but they would have any number of people come on and just do a little, little, just a little sound. And Uh, you're, you know, can you imagine? Cause you know, by now we all know Abbey road, like, you know it. Right. And so you would hear that sound. It would just, wow. They thought of that as well. So just everything. And it comes to an end and there's silence and then, Bam, they do Her Majesty. Yeah. Right? Like that's the entire thing. And then plus a few bonus songs at the end. So, yeah. Well, I was lucky too in that concert because just by pure chance, before I ever found out that I was going to be going, I had gone and watched um, that movie. Now I'm drawing a blank on the name. Oh, Yesterday. It is called Yesterday. Mm -hmm. Okay. I I had been gone to see Yesterday. Maybe fill our listeners in on what that is. In the movie there's some sort of uh, solar event or celestial event. All the power on earth goes out for like 12 or 13 seconds and then comes back on. And when it comes back on, it's a different world. And it's different insofar. One thing that's different is the Beatles never existed. Harry Potter never existed and stuff like that. It's nearly all the same, but there's some, some huge... And only the thing is, this one guy, he's a struggling entertainer. You know, he plays in the local pub. 
and he's got a song that his friends like to hear, but only his friends ever come to see him in the pub. He's not getting anywhere. But he is one of a very few people on earth who remembers that the Beatles existed. And he remembers all their songs. And so he starts doing them all. eh? He starts writing them and singing them, performing them. And so I got to watch this whole movie that was a basically a review of nearly all the Beatles' work, like five days before I get to go see McCartney mm. play, which is kind of cool. What did it's you think movie. of the movie? Good movie? I liked it. Yeah, it was quite good. I yeah. heard that if you think it's going to be a pin to the Beatles and really honor them, it's not so much because they'll only do short snippets out of each song. It's more, I'd heard that it was more about the story, the romantic comedy, if you will. Um, yeah, it is about the story. You yeah. get to hear snippets, yes, absolutely, yeah. like you say. I, um, well, I think the I think the conceit, like this, the the idea is it's, just fantastic. It's really fun. What's especially fun? I, I better not actually, because it might be a spoiler if I go on. But it, I I do recommend it. It's, to be fair, romantic comedies always end on a positive note. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it's billed as I, I'm pretty sure I haven't nice revealed one. as much as you would see in any of the promo trailers. Yeah. I mean, the reviews are middling, like it got 57 on Metacritic. Yeah. I reviewed movies today for tomorrow's half price day. Uh, well, I got to say my, my movie thing is set really low. Like we, the we, stuff I'll watch on Netflix. Where did you see that? In the theater? In the theater. Yeah. Uh, at, uh, I think I saw it at Park and Tilford North Van. Well, my connection to the McCartney concert was uh, Big Brother Jer went because he got invited with some businessmen or something like that. Oh, nice. But uh, Lucy got this gig on a yacht, being kind of Girl Friday on a yacht for 10 days. Uh, so it's one of the six biggest yachts in Vancouver, eight staterooms. Not the Atessa something. Because the Atessa is like the fourth largest in the world or something like no, that. No, 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 it's not. What's, I mean, the, what's the gig? Well, the gig was just going over to Victoria. The first half of the gig was with their employees, and they would like, they basically flew them, flew them to wherever the yacht was, right? And and she said, uh, these guys would actually give them spending money. I think they're camped in Victoria for a few nights. They they'd get the host would give his guests spending money to go walk around. You know, you know, here's a few hundreds, and even gave Lucy spending money to go. Nice. And I thought, well, now I'm just dying to know who what, this was. Um, anyway, so I think they did a few nights in Victoria, then a couple nights on Salt Spring or something. And then they come back. So the night before she's finished, they park right outside the stadium. Yeah. on Right on the seawall there. Right. And... These are now the friends, the, it's not the employees, now there's friends, and the captain has flown back, I guess the captain wasn't even, I don't know, they were there parked there for a little while. They all go to the concert, Lucy and the other crew guy, who's kind of an engineer, I guess, are left on the boat, so they sit in the hot tub <laughs> through the whole concert. I don't know I don't know if they could hear, she didn't say if she could hear the concert, but they're, they've backed into the seawall, and so people stream by and they just were constantly taking pictures of Lucy and the guy in the hot tub <laughs> thinking they're these celebrities <laughs> of they course own it, right? because they're on this massive yacht <laughs> I just thought it was fun but it's it, going to be in one of those uh, magazines that have pictures yeah, of royalty and so and so and so and so 
Yeah. Anyway, I, a pretty cool gig for her, oh, and she gee. might she might do it again too. It, apparently, it was very hard work though. It oh, was really? like sixteen hour days. But oh. do but doing what kind of activities? Everything. Well, everything. Prep. Helping. Oh, okay. like they like to cook. So I think they did a lot of barbecuing, right? Okay. But she was doing the prep. There would be a continental breakfast for, you know, 10 every morning. So she was up at seven oh, my and goodness. then helping with that. And then of course she'd, there was a turndown service. So she'd go in and clean all the rooms. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if she'd changed the beds. Probably not, but, but there was a turndown service where she'd go and actually turn down, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and, leave the chocolate on the pillow i don't know but she was uh very busy but uh you know she had a really good time did it pay a lot oh it did nice <laughs> and nice. with a nice uh fat tip at the end too right because i think all the guests kind of give the ca- the the head host some money for a tip and, yeah and she gets a lump sum at the end nice so did Jeez. jerry uh give you any feedback on the concert no Zero, I think. I'm not. Well, did you ask? To be fair, did you ask? What was it like? Uh, yeah, exactly. Did I ask? Hmm. Just checking. I'm not sure. I'm not you sure. know, because we're all about uh, fairness here in the podcast. You're right. You're right. Not leaping to conclusions. That's right. That's right. Another little sidebar on Paul McCartney. In the amazingly unlikely chance that you were unaware that he did just the most almost perfect carpool karaoke episode if you haven't seen it google paul mccartney carpool karaoke he mentioned that at the concert he did it he did his hit song yeah he did it to promote the new album yeah and that is just a lovely little piece of video it's actually 20 minutes long because why is it perfect well you know first of all they get in the car you've seen carpool karaoke they get in the car and Corden, right yeah james Corden, and they're singing along together it's just fun and then they, they do this in England, though, and, and uh, Liverpool. And so they actually drive to where he used to live as a child. And then he goes inside, and he had never been there since he moved out, ever. And the current owner let him go there. In fact, I think it maybe is a bit of a attraction because his room is preserved. So he gets to go into his preserved room. And Holy I saw shit. that. You yeah. sent us a link, I guess, because I saw that. That's right. And then at the end, they do a special little uh, surprise concert for the locals at a pub that I believe that they had played at back in the day. And so just the whole thing, the way that they do it is is uh, really, really sweet. And the music's great. And his voice was not cracking too much. That's a fun show. I saw an episode of that with Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. It was really funny. Like, she's singing with him, and... She can really sing, right? Like, no question about that. But they stopped someplace to get get a coffee. They had discussed in the car some social media thing where there had been a rumor started that she had to be carried everywhere. (laughs) And she said, well, I was wearing a pair of shoes at a concert and really, my feet were just killing me. And I took the shoes off and one one of the guys in the crew sort of as a joke, just carried her back to the bus, right? Because her feet were sore. Well, that gave rise to this rumor that she demanded to be carried. She wasn't going to walk anywhere. (laughs) So they stop at this Starbucks 
and he carries her in. <laughs> and she goes in there and she says, don't pay any attention. Don't pay any, I just can't. I can't walk anywhere. This is how I'm that kind of pop star. I just, and he carries her over to the counter while she reaches over him to dress up her drink. And so this is what I do all the time. If you see me anywhere, I won't be walking. And really? God, I just killed myself. Just really having fun with it. You know, just yeah. some random Starbucks. It was good. That guy is living the life. The, the guy who does that show, Gordon. James Gordon. Yeah. yeah. I, I see life. his, uh, some of his crosswalk videos, they do spoofs on musicals, but they do it in a crosswalk. Oh, I saw one of those in Paris near the Arc de Triomphe where he was- With him? Doing Les Miserables. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, whoa, what is going on? Well, they on? do it, I've seen a couple where they do it in LA, and they literally do it for as long as the crosswalk is open, right? They all run out there, and they're doing the sound of music with, um, what's her name from the West Wing? Anyway, yeah, so they, I think they both play the same role. They both play Maria, James Corden, and <laughs> why can't Janet, Janet, Janning, Allison Janning. Allison Janning. That took a while to Janny. Ja- Allison Janney. Janney. Yeah. Not Ing. Janney. So, yeah. um, anyway, it's quite fun. And I've seen others. So. I didn't even realize the video I was looking at, I didn't even realize that it was time to the crosswalk. He was just doing it right in the middle of all this incredible traffic and he, every now and then he would stop and they were in full costume. So too. it's one of those really long crosswalks that has like 60 seconds. Uh, or something. I don't know, but he periodically, he, he started shouting about the cops and then run, run, it's the cops. <laughs> and they'd just run off the sidewalk. And I couldn't figure, I didn't realize that he was just doing it for the duration of the crosswalk though. I didn't, I didn't get that. It just looked like one of those, what do they call flash mob type things? Only he yeah. was all in costume and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. fun though. He's, like, he's a, living the life. a pretty talented guy, isn't he? Yeah. <clears throat> you guys want to try some listener mail? Go. Yes. All right. So uh, several episodes ago, we did a discussion about what was our favorite job and our worst job. So it was kind of fun to talk through. And it triggered one of our listeners, Jesse from Montreal, a longtime friend of the show, And he says, hey guys, loved the discussion of best worst jobs. One of my worst jobs led to be one of my favorites. A few years after moving to Montreal, I was asked by a friend if I wanted to work on a TV commercial. I got picked up at 3.30 in the morning, was given a safety vest, a flag, and a walkie-talkie, and was dropped off in front of a barricade at an intersection in an industrial park. I then spent the next 16 hours standing in the sun telling irate drivers who just want to go there that the street was closed. Every two hours or so, a minivan drove by and someone threw out a bottle of water. What made it even more exciting was this was all taking place in French, which I barely spoke and only half understood, especially on a cheap walkie-talkie earpiece. To this day, I still have no idea what they were filming. <laughs> a few years and many film sets later, I got a call from another friend about working as a lighting technician for the NDP on Jack Layton's election campaign. I'm not sure why he thought I knew anything about lighting, but it always interested me, so I said yes. We arrived in Ottawa a few days before the start of the campaign to test our gear Panic set in quite early when I realized I wasn't a lighting technician. (laughs) I was the lighting technician. Keep in mind, 
I was a lighting tech, the way watching an episode of ER makes you a doctor. <laughs> I bought a light meter and spent a few nights Googling how to light for TV. <laughs> and we were off on an eight week marathon. We crisscrossed the country every week, sometimes doing events in several provinces per day. It was some of the hardest work I have done in my life, 18 to 20 hour days, seven days a week for eight weeks. But I met amazing people, visited the entire country, and had many once-in-a-lifetime experiences. I ended up, ended up doing two more campaigns. So I wonder if we now know how it is that Jack Layton failed to do better. Because he looked like, you know, Day of the Living Dead and all his TV appearances. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you're being quite unfair to our faithful listener. And I'm sure that he did an excellent job of lighting. I'm sure, and he, I'm sure he did a thousand matter, times better than I would I ever believe do. he is co-owner of a video production company these last many years called Avenue 8. A very successful little oh, company really? as well, yeah. So, I just, so that lighting job then led on to more interesting things as well. But it's he went from one of the worst possible jobs to one of the best possible. So that was quite, quite cool. I really can't imagine the pressure you would... I just can't imagine... Like, you know, this is going to make national news and you're Googling up how to do it. Yeah. And you guys Good have heard God. of Im imposter syndrome when you have a job and yeah. it must happen in acting quite a bit. It's where I sure hope they don't figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, must happen in acting a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's true for many people, but he was truly an imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. He had no idea. But I, you, I just so, can't imagine. So you haven't read that before? Not, haven't done not on air, no. Oh. no. I, I, I didn't even remember that one. I did read it when he sent it, and I didn't even remember it. I remembered it very well, and it seems odd that I would remember it that well from just from reading it. But Yeah, knows. well, if this is the second time the listeners got to listen to it, think of it as a bedtime story. Oh, there man. It, yeah, we're, it gets better and better with repetition. If this is the second time we've done it in a podcast, then I think our listeners get some insight into our deteriorating mental status. Uh, Rich from Rosslyn writes in to say about nicknames. How did your nicknames come about? E.g. Moby, Skin Dog, Ogre, Cromer, Killer, and the rest. That's it. That's all he writes. So Rich from Rosslyn, we can tell from this that you have not been a long-time listener, and that's fine. We like all our listeners, new and old, but the answer to this question is answered several times. I actually don't know which episodes... In the first 10. Yeah, sometime in the first 10. So go back, start with episode one and work your way forward and you'll find it. And when you do find it, please send us a note, let us know. Oh my God. And that way we'll let everyone know where, where to go. But if you just want to send us a note telling us where to go, maybe hold off on that. That's That'd be good. Fine. <laughs> anyway, yes, we have done Origins of Nicknames a few times and, uh, and you'll find it back there in the annals of the Shed Dogs. Thanks for the note though. I appreciate program suggestions, boy, that's for sure. Keep uh, them coming. Yeah. All right. A new comment on uh, episode 57, Plum Excited Dogs, in which we carried on about plumbing and many other things. This is from Lee from Courtney, correct? Courtney? That is correct, yeah. sir, yes. That is so cool, she says, about the Neil and Elvis separate from each other concert. And especially so since Elvis cut sh short touring last year because of, I think, brain cancer. I think that's right. Um, in fact, this was his first time performing after 
Oh. Yeah, dealing with that. So he must be doing okay. Saw him and his wife, Diana Crawl, and their kids on the ferry coming back to Vancouver Island two years ago. And they were such low-key celebs. And I had to laugh when you said Neil was doing what he wanted on stage because he's at the stage in his career where he pretty much doesn't give a shit. I laughed because I think that's the stage he's always been at in his career. (laughs) Very true. Nice to have the dogs back after your hiatus. Well, it's darn nice to be back. And thanks for that note. Thanks, too. Lee. It's very I didn't good. know that, that he had, that Elvis had brain cancer. Yeah, he did. All. And, you know, if you live in the lower mainland, there's a lot of Elvis sightings. Yeah. Um, Colin from North Van has spotted him on the Ambleside Walk a couple mm-hmm. times with the, with the kids in tow and in strollers at one point. And Sue and I were in New York City at a little museum. I forget which museum. And we went in the gift shop and there's Elvis buying some nice gifts. Jeez. Well, world. I'm, I'm so far into my dotage and they're so far into theirs that I wouldn't even recognize either of those guys if I bumped right into them on the street. I just wouldn't. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me. Just keep walking. Yeah, Elvis is an incredible performer. And uh, speaking of the plumbing episode, uh, Rich was over and I was saying how much I enjoyed listening to the plumbing <laughs> like i really did like i just thought it was like sort of very comprehensive and i just thought i mean it does what did go we say on in there it's just is it just because we're guys on plumbing i can't remember what we how we framed that but it was kind yeah. of funny like yeah. kj if gave you that. think back through all the episodes all 60 of them i don't know if you'll find too many segments that run for 20 minutes or whatever the hell <laughs> That's we how long the plumbing about. was. Yeah, it was just really a long, long time. The only, you know what? The, only, the longest other was so probably next, the politics one in response like, to. So next I turned up the tap just a little more. <laughs> and, and as I, you would expect, the flow was slightly more. But no more plastic. Anyway, I don't know. Just deeply I can't imagine what kind of detail. We oh, it was a lot. It was a lot. And. I, I, I'm not exactly inviting people to write in and tell us how idiotic that is, but it is, it was funny editing it and you start looking through, you know, you're trying to compose the blurb, right? You're trying to figure out what are we going to say about this episode on the website? And you usually look to see where the time is spent and you just kind of think, good Lord, <laughs> like a really big fat percentage of all the time was just spent talking about it made plumbing. its way into the title of the well, episode. That's why it did it too. Cause it was just so dominant. And I think that politics one was the other longest thing I've seen. Yeah. We've already referenced this one, but I'll just read it verbatim. Uh, this from Terry from, uh, I believe it's spasm, isn't it? <laughs> Yak. Yeah. Janelle <laughs> circling the drain in Janelle. To the portal to the other world. Terry from Janelle writes, sorry you guys couldn't make it. Hope you're feeling better, Rich. Party in New Denver. Cheers, Huey. Yeah. Very nice to to hear from you. When did him. he write that? Um, that one came in July 11th. And that's it. We've caught up in listener mail. Cue the listener mail closing jingle. So I have a, a new washing machine. And I don't know if you guys have newer washing machines, but at the end of a cycle, it does this little chimey thing to say it's over yes who made it uh it's samsung so okay it's... okay so is this a I different machine than the one that you had sealed in like the cask of amontillado or like yeah that's the one that you walked by that we got that one out of there and it's now done <laughs> yeah oh it's pr- probably just needs a part but i didn't have time just to do that part oh. sort of thing uh i don't know what to do with it however uh 
this is new music at the end of the wash cycle on this thing. I think it might be made in Korea. Would Samsung be made in Korea possibly? Yes, absolutely, yeah. So, and it's, you know, ding, 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 you know, something like that. I'm not sure what it is, but it starts to sound like a national anthem. <laughs> oh. Like it, it really does, and it goes on for We've quite... We've got to ban imports from Korea of Samsung stuff. But, They're trying to influence things with their... I should, I'll, I'll try to get it on a voice memo and oh, send yes. it. Yeah, yes, for sure. Yeah, that'd be because, great. Because uh, I think I flipped tomorrow. Uh, oh my goodness, it's, uh, it just cracks me up. And then it has this weird little cadence at the end, like almost a sad thing. Like it does the whole thing for 32 bars or something. And then it goes, doo, 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 doo. oh, and then it reluctantly has to go. Yeah. Oh, oh, that is I, so cool! I just find it so because we have we have LGs, and maybe we'll pop the LG music in there too. And uh, when the you know the kids would be upstairs, uh, and or in Hannah's case downstairs, and their laundry would finish, and I'd be in the computer room there, so I'd hear the music, and I would just text them. I would never say, "Oh, your wash is ready to go into the dryer." <laughs> no, I just I just text them three words. Happy laundry music. <laughs> That's pretty. They could figure out what that meant. Oh, so I wonder if they've done research that has shown that if they have happy music, the demands for warranty maintenance and stuff decrease because people begin to feel affectionate towards their appliances. Very interesting takes. You know, it's a, what an interesting world you live in. Well, <laughs> why else would they put this stupid music in? Why do that? Are they really selling those things on the basis of, you know, I was going to get an LG, but I was really uplifted by the happy little closing music on the Samsung. So I went with that. Really? I don't think so. You know, see if you like, like Sue had an LG flip phone and it had the almost a perfect little ringtone. It was a happy Christmassy kind of thing. And it always made you feel good every time you heard it. And to the effect that when Sue had to let go of that flip phone before she got rid of it, we recorded the ringtone and then I replicated it for her on a, on her next phone. But it's wow. now lost in the annals of time and, and uh, she misses that ringtone. But wow. it, 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 I think the whole idea is for you to make, make you feel, I think Samsung's outdone LG. Like LG has a limited length ringtone and then it stops. I kind of like the idea of going on and on and building, and then finally the sadness at the end. That <laughs> yeah, and it's, I'm sure we, the last one was a Samsung, and it's probably nine years old or something, but it had the same kind of music, but not nearly as long. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Well, the idea is, uh, I you, think, to build brand loyalty. It's you brand, have an idea, brand, don't you? No, <laughs> I, I do think you're right, RJ. It's brand loyalty. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not probably maintenance. I just made that up for fun, but I do think it's brand loyalty. And I, what I was thinking about with that look on my face was, so you know how we had the conversation about emojis long ago in the emoji council and how they have to meet and agree which ones are going to be released? It's a very serious business. There's now guys that are specializing composing music for appliances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For like washing machines. Yeah. And, and within very strict constraints, and it has to do this and it has to do that, there's panels of executives who are having long meetings and arguing about these things. Well, when there's a malfunction, should we play music? <laughs> I don't think I want to have any more just alarms. I want martial music, that call to action music. When it's just time to 
take it out. Maybe we should play call to action music. You know, like you just sort of think all the crazy crap people are talking about to get that music to just come out to the extent we're talking about it here. My my wash machine, the music it plays is the no more thump, 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 uh, yeah. gets to the end of the Which spin music cycle. To your ears. <laughs> it's just this profound relief. Oh, thank God that thing's over. I just... I thought a helicopter was taken off in the front room. <laughs> so is yours a front loader? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it has to be <laughs> built in. <laughs> well, back when I was complaining about front loaders a long time ago. Uh, odor? We, we have never had that odor again. All but, solved by leaving it open? Well, we do three, four different strategies. And as a whole, I think the most significant strategy was to switch to dry detergent. Because they all said that the dry detergent is less likely to kind of form a film that kind of sits there and holds moisture so that the, oh. the bad like powdered detergent. Yeah. We use powdered detergent. I didn't Jeez, know that, that wasn't even an option here. because I thought you had to use the. Yeah. So you go to that great big display. First of all, they got the Tide Pods and all the things that, yeah. uh, you know, and, and we don't encourage people to eat those by the way. But they all look like candy, right? Jeez, I was right in the brink. I was and just going to ask Moby, which, uh, where's your laundry room? And by the way, the, the reason I don't like those Tide Pods is because we live in a soft water district, yet they're sized for Toronto or wherever the hard water is. So you're just wasting way too much soap when you put those pods in. So I don't like those. Then you got your liquid. That's the second most common thing. And then down in the corner, there's a few boxes of Tide Tide uh, for, pow- yeah, powder for, detergent for, for high efficiency. Oh, I like the idea of a more, I like the conversation about those little pieces of music and the appliances. I have one of those and I think that's a really fun thing to think about. Like toasters will do it too pretty soon, eh? Rather than just ka-chunk and the toast is up. Oh, it'll be, oh I'll bet you they already do. You know, like. <laughs> the smart ones, you yeah, know. Yeah, you could just go on and on. Like they got that, Wi-Fi. I think. Wow. Your phone tells you, oh, your toast is ready. Oh, I sure am glad my phone told me that. Yeah. What a wonderful world we yeah, live in. no kidding. I was in the other room because I totally forgot that I put toast on to have for my breakfast like I have every morning for the last 35 years. Well, Susan just bought a new um, uh, kettle. And because it crapped out and she, before I even had time to look at it, because I, I might have been able to do something to it, she had bought a new one for 30 bucks or something. And she says, you can spend $180 for the a, probably the same kind of kettle, but it has six settings. And she says, what do you need settings on a kettle for if you're just boiling water? But I think there's a... I can think of at least one. Say it. So it boils and clicks off. And I, I can think of a setting that would just start it to boil again a couple minutes later. Like just know, just oh. keep it really near boiling over a prolonged length of time. Yeah, yeah, just keep it hot. Yeah. But there also is the tea aficionados. Right, and that it's have, a certain temperature. It all depends on what kind of tea you're drinking. Yeah. And some are good for like 170 degrees as opposed to 212 Fahrenheit, 180, 190. So, oh, it's, wow. yeah, so yeah. if you're a tea specialist, you don't want it too hot. And um, I just, I didn't know that. I, I know drip coffee should be 93 degrees Celsius. The, the water should yeah. be going through at 93 degrees or between 90 and 93 for or what, what? or it doesn't do the right thing to the coffee grounds yeah maybe if it's uh so maybe maybe that's one of the settings we're just living <laughs> like in a I've, cave 
But there's another appliance that could play happy music. Sure. You know, the old kettles that just shrieked and you just thought, oh my God, there's an air raid or something. <laughs> now it can play you happy little music instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How many times in your life have you jumped up from wherever you were sitting and run out to the kitchen because that thing's just and freaking you pull you it completely. off and put it on the other empty burner and it goes yeah <laughs> and you and you experience this real relief that that super alarming noise has stopped it's oh my yeah. god because really don't you i have i i don't get those kettles because i can't stand that sound it just well, it was kind of wasn't a exactly a choice in the old days. The electric kettles maybe were less commoner or something. Yeah. Just the stovetop was what you did. Well, Six and settings seems a bit extreme. Dangerous because they would just go. Yeah. The old electric going. ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Never stop. Till they melt. Like the old rice cooker. Rice cooker? Rice cooker could make a noise. Oh, they My do. My rice cooker just clicks off. Yeah, I bet you the new ones do. Oh, they do. On TV, they do. On the K-dramas. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got the cheapest one money could buy. The cheapest one returned pop cans could buy. Yeah. I don't know why, but somewhere along the line, we thought that we did not want a rice cooker that automatically kept the rice hot. And it probably from my forgetful youth, as if I'm not forgetful now, you know, like <laughs> somehow, nice. Nice. somehow Sorry, I could envision turning the rice cooker on and then forgetting and leaving the house. And then it would keep it warm for a long time. Well, forever. The one I have does that. But I don't know why that bothered me. Because now that I think of it in the cold light of day, we always, once the rice cooker goes off, it does a little click. We usually need it right away. And know, if we don't need it right away, why not have it kept warm? There's well, moisture in there. You know, like, what's the problem with that? The I young know. woman I live with likes to have a little bit of the rice kind of made crispy. Yeah. Crispy so she leaves yeah. the hot part on. On purpose. Yeah. And I mean, it'll just yeah. stay on. It'll stay on for two weeks oh, until whereas, the whole thing just goes. Whereas our old classic mm. national that we've owned since we were married, a little bit before we were married, it uh, just clicks off and it's done. And that's yeah. always been adequate for us. We've never had a use for the warmer. But I'm just not sure where I got the aversion to a warmer. I don't think it hurts anything really. Well, I don't like that it doesn't shut off. I got to say. Because what, you're going to go out and forget yeah, that you yes. had rice on? Yeah. An entire meal's worth of rice, you're going to go, oh. I, well, I just don't want it to burst into flame. Yeah. I don't know if that's even remotely plausible, but I just don't want that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Do here's you use a, it a lot? Uh, yeah. A rice cooker? Yeah, all the time. Here's another fun little note. Did you know? Did you know? I don't know if this is a universal truth, but the other day, uh, I was sleeping peacefully at 5 a.m., as you often do at 5 a.m., and I heard some sort of little noise. I don't know what it was. And then I heard just the lightest little scratch of a claw at my bedroom door. <coughs> and it was one of those two dogs I live with. And I opened up the door and they were both sitting out there, trembling with fear. Just trembling with fear. And then I heard, beep. What was that? Oh, dogs are just yes. trembling. Oh, yes. 30 seconds later, beep. It was that. It turned out to just be the smoke alarm. The batteries were dead, you know, and it was doing the thing. I'm dying. You got to renew. And the yeah. dogs were just absolutely terrified. Isn't they, that interesting? I just have no idea what it is about dog experience that would make that so scary. Has, have they lived through uh, an alert? No, no. It's gone off once or twice when there's something burning, but and then it makes a hell of a racket and you run around and flap the tea towel at it. And, but do they freak when that happens? No. 
This there's something about the Chinese water torture aspect of this thing that was just oh. freaking them right out. God, I, I felt so bad. I, they're old, right? And they're just trembling. I got out of bed. I picked them both up. I laid in the couch with them for a while to try to calm them down. It's just awful. Do you think we can do a really quick summary of the uh, cat patio construction, or is that worth doing? Mm, I don't know, because the difficulty will be making any any sense of what we were doing yeah. like, verbally. Yeah, yeah. We built this... Really well, elaborate. KJ had a role in it. Right. But did, did you know what he was doing with that thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we finished it. It was, what a, I've never seen such a production for a cat thing. <laughs> so Han, Hannah already had this cat patio. It was for indoor use. Yes. So we had to do that thing where you staple all the um, chicken wire. What do you call that? Chicken wire. That's exactly Chicken what wire around the outside, you know, and poke yourself a million times and uh, yeah. duct tape it down and kind of reframe things. It was very satisfying though. And then, to hang it out the window. Yeah. So it's out on a patio that's covered over. And in this way, the cat can pass in and out that cat door at its leisure and use the litter box down on the bottom la- level of the cat patio. And we built our own door completely from our heads uh, into the cat patio so that Hannah can pull the litter box out for changing it. Oh, I get it. Oh, and okay. it was, but, but it skilled artisan work. I tell you that is this hanging off the building or is it actually sitting on an outdoor patio? Yeah. On an outdoor patio. Okay. That, that has, is covered. That's partially covered, you know, okay, just a, okay. a big overhang over the top right. of it. And it's just so cat can go oh in and out in the middle of the night apparently hannah gets woken up every night around three four in the morning um i think because the cat makes a real racket in the litter box and so what she wanted was a nice quiet cat door which we actually had to look around for because the cheapest one the review said yeah it's too bad it bangs so loud at night because i really wanted this yeah. yeah so anyway we've got a nice quiet brushed cat door with dual locks well i didn't i saw yeah, yeah, but I'm trying to think that's because Susan's got two cats up there, and sometimes that kitty litter can permeate the house, actually, if, oh. if the wind's blowing the right way. But I'm thinking, why doesn't she have one of those? Right, because you have a little deck off. There's a deck? And oh, yeah. Put it in the that, door? That well, call would, us in, KJ. The experts. We're specialists. <laughs> we know what it takes. And I know a guy with a skill saw as well, so we can nice. get the whole thing taken care of. Nice. <laughs> Rich is... His skill saw is a little finishing saw, as little oh, no, blades I did, this big. Yeah, I didn't yeah. mean to say that then. I meant to say a jigsaw. A jigsaw, yeah. Oh, the jigsaw, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But his skill saw is a finishing saw for, for baseboards and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Little tiny little thing. So we did change the blade. Yeah. Yeah. We made sure it was unplugged. That <laughs> <laughs> new blade was like butter, too. It, it was very butter. satisfying because this was Sue's dad's finishing saw that I kind of inherited. And I thought, well, I, I could use that. So I kept it. It was starting to burn the wood. Yeah. And it came with a little wrench. He had about four or five spare blades. Uh-huh. One of which is more like a ripping blade, like fast cutting. And the other was a finishing blade with the tiny. Oh, you didn't have to yeah. go buy those blades. No. I thought you bought them. Somewhere. Those are sears. They, they had labels on them. Simpson sears, two ninety nine. Nice. Wow. Nice, nice, nice. As old as probably the machine, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a veteran machine Real. one of the first uh it's it's portable like like it's wireless yeah. no oh, batteries 
No, no, no batteries. No. Oh, have to plug oh. it in. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That little baby can't get through. You have to do a two by four, two cuts, right? <laughs> you flip cut, it, you turn it, it over, over and cut. <laughs> but it still was great. You got to get it just right. It was pretty fun. And I changed the blade, and I used it once, and then nothing happened. I'd pull the button, completely nothing happened. Uh-oh. And what Skin's theory was, and this makes sense to me, is occasionally a motor will stop just in the wrong position. So it can't, the magnet won't pull the motor to the next stop. Have you ever had that happen? No. Nope. Yeah, so it's weird. Because then we stepped up to it a little bit later, and it worked fine. It might have been that extendo. That extension cord had some kind of weird lock mm. thing on it. I don't know what. Mm. I've yeah. never seen one like that. It had, yeah. a, it had some kind of deal that was intended to assure you that you are actually plugged into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Locked. Yeah, that one out there has a little lock on it. Uh, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Because all I did was move the blade a couple of teeth. That, like roll it yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, and then just... Well, maybe you're right, though, about the brushes being yeah. a little bit off. I've had other yeah. tools like drills that do that. Uh, well, they don't... They, you'll click, click, and nothing. You just turn the shank a little, and yeah. then it goes. Well, and being as old as it is, right? Yeah. You ever, you ever change the brushes in that? Probably not. No, no, no. <laughs> There's a YouTube video on it. Oh, bet. that reminds me. That reminds me. You mentioned that you don't know what to do with your wash machine. Mm. Well, I was going to vote you just fix it and then sell it or something. Mm-hmm. But I had a microwave go the other day, not too long ago. Just stopped. You know, the little tray goes and the light goes and it makes the humming noise and the timer and just doesn't heat anything. So I Googled it. Most common problem with those symptoms, uh, burnt out diode and you can get the diode at any electronic shop but the big trick is you need to discharge the capacitor that's in the microwave so normally you look at a capacitor on a board and it's a little thing like it's this big this capacitor is about half the size of a coffee thermos it's a big honking thing it's probably got like a lightning bolt stored in there and then you read about how to discharge it Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's kind of like Hmm, I'm not that sure I want to try this. You know, you don't just yeah. take a screwdriver and short it across you the You are trying it at home. Huh? <laughs> they say, don't try this at home. That's exactly yeah. what you did. And uh, so I decided that I hated that microwave anyway. So I've had it for like, it was old when I got it in 2010. And I've had it since then. It's white that's gone all yellow. The plastic's gone yellow. It's so old. And all the whole time I've had it, it's had a tendency to stop halfway through its platter rotation business so you got to watch it like a hawk or your food comes out all crazy (laughs) so i still might fix it just for the joy of trying to figure out what happens like it's been unplugged now for a week what do you do to avoid shocking yourself you take the really most of the descriptions just say take a screwdriver with a well insulated handle Uh check the handle to make sure there's no cracks in it wear something i'd wear rubber gloves yeah and then just put it across just And then the other suggestions what, though, across two things across two terminals to oh, this capacitor. Okay. Yeah. Another suggestion is to build a capacitor discharge tool, which involves <laughs> wires and a light bulb. And you just put one wire in one end and one wire in the other and the capacitor lights the light bulb and yes. then it just fades up. Yeah. 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 Consumes. So that consumes charge. it. Wow. That sounds a little safer actually. It sounds yeah. a lot safer, yeah. but it also sounds like a way more of a pain. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, I don't want to bother man. with all that. But I'd like to fix it just because the idea that you can fix an appliance like that, where they say it's written all over it, whatever you do, don't go inside this thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate it when they do that because you can go inside it with a, it's just, it's lawyers. 
It's lawyers. Oh, day. yeah, yeah. But I think in this case, I'm with the lawyers. I mean, you can die from that thing. Well, yeah, so like I say, a lightning <laughs> lightning bolt size charged in that. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with that washing machine. I don't know that I would so just, take the time. But I, see, for me, it's also the other thing is if I don't fix it, I got to hump it all the way down to the transfer station and pay 10 bucks to get rid of it. Yeah. Like I just, oh, I don't have any appetite for that either. So right so, now yeah. it's just sitting right in the middle of my front room. Well, I'm trying to figure out if somebody would come and get it if I described the problem to them and said, everything else seems to be just fine. 100% someone would come and get it. You think so? Yeah. Maybe I should try that. You know what? Put it in. How old is it? Well, it is nine years or eight years. Put it in for 50 bucks and just say... These are the symptoms. If you can fix it and you got 50 bones, come and get it. Yeah, I've had that happen a couple of times. Someone will come and get it. Where I've just given it away and somebody's come over. So if I say for free, someone will come and get it for sure. Oh, 100. Some guy will come and get it just for the scrap value if you say free. Uh, They might, yeah. I seem to be racking up clients. Sue from Burnaby scans Craigslist for me. Oh, and just in your personal secretary business? Yeah, uh, something about the idle hands make devils The devil's work. workshop. You know what, RJ? You're going to have to be careful because you earlier in today's session described a profession for yourself as a telecom specialist, yeah. Broker. Yeah, well, that's a pretty high, high salary uh, business. I don't know because as you move into your personal secretary business, that's the kind of thing you're very likely to become engaged in if you're not careful. Oh. So your personal secretary business better not undercut your telecom specialist business. Yeah. I'm yeah. just telling you that for free. I'm undercutting my own business advisory business. Getting up to three different clients. Yeah. That's for crazy. One of my clients, I was um, estimating bra sizes for him <laughs> for a gift for his girlfriend. Um, I do he's, many, many different things. Apparently. <laughs> And what's really sad is some of the best stuff that he's doing as a personal secretary is never going to make it to air on this podcast. And he's, I'm, I'm sorry, can we go back here just a little ways? Uh, <laughs> Not very he, far. He's, uh, he's contacted you because why? I did did okay, I so, miss this part? So here's the thing. So people place ads in Craigslist and Sue goes, oh, this is something that you could do, right? So, mm. and uh, occasionally I go, Sure. Why not? So I send a nice little response and I get a hundred percent hit rate because I send back a response that clearly indicates that not only do I know what I'm doing, but I have a certain manner about me that will be non-threatening or whatever, you know, like I, I kind of explain things without being, um, what's the word? Mansplaining. 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 You're fully mansplaining. <laughs> but keep going anyway. So I, I would like as an aside to ask what is it that is making anybody think you'd actually want to do things like this? Like she keeps suggesting these things. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, I actually enjoy helping people. So like I've always helped people with whatever their photos or whatever. I just kind of get a kick out of it. Right. So she knows that. And then, so then I got these clients, you know, my first client I've had for a couple of years and, Once every month or two, I go over there or tonight at 7 p.m. I dial into her system and help her. Uh, In this particular case, she needs to register for um, webinar. Mm. So she's not, she doesn't have the ability. She's not really very good at doing that kind of thing. She's very good about writing her passwords down and stuff, but not so much about that. Anyway, so I'll help her with that at 7 p.m. But this this particular ad that uh, she answered was... um, 
from a guy who wants help with just stuff like getting backup set up and things like that. But in both cases, like I go to my first client and she'll help, she'll have me help her hang a picture <laughs> on the wall, which I'm not particularly good at. Right. But anyway, she, so that happens all the time or, and in, in this guy, the first thing that happens, I come over there and we're talking He's kind of sizing me up. He's a business person. He sells and buys and sells property. I think he's done very well for himself. And uh, the next thing, you know, and he's dyslexic. So, you know, he, he's having me help him with things that would take him quite a bit longer. Next thing you know, we have a rental agreement in front of us. And I'm making the modifications to the rental agreement to propose to a person who owns the property that he now lives on that he used to own. He sold it to this other person. He wants to rent it back blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And the next thing you know, we're on the phone to the rental branch of the provincial government that gives you, that tells you what your rights are as a renter and all that. We get through in like 90 seconds and I'm talking to the guy and my client is sitting there whispering questions for me to ask because he doesn't like talking to people over the phone. So I'm taking care of that. And then we make changes to the rental agreement. I write up the email for him. We send the email to the guy, but the person that I'm providing the service to is a go-getter. He's the kind of person who will achieve many things in a day, right? I'm not that kind of person, but I actually, we're, we fit together quite well because I'm pretty good at doing legal wording and stuff like that. I had to stop at one moment and say, oh, just to be clear, I am not a lawyer. <laughs> and he <laughs> kind of chuckled and he said, you just saved me 400 bucks, bro. He, <laughs> he calls me bro and buddy and all those kind of things. He's one of those kind of go-getter talker guys. So I did all that, and then I got another one, and uh, he wants. So, to the, but the ones that Sue's saying usually have computer something around them. Yes, tech something. They're always related to oh, okay. Macs. Like if she oh. sent me one Windows, I said no, 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 no. I don't do Windows, and it's not because I haven't used Windows. It's just because I quickly get frustrated and would have to Google forever just to do the most minor of things. Right. right? So. Oh, okay. That, okay. That makes complete sense then. Yeah. 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 So I get a kick out of it. I've got another one starting up, uh, after July 28th sometime and we're going to get all his photos. This is a classic. Anybody who's listening to this and you guys in the room have the same problem. Everybody has the problem mostly is that they've got photos everywhere. And so my job is to get his photos everywhere into one place. And he said, please tell me how you would do this. So I actually listed all the steps for him. So he, in theory, he could do it himself, but I listed it all, including the step that says, make sure this will never happen to you again. Because right? <laughs> uh, uh, you know how and it goes, we're right? back to the cloud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I explained how we would set that up. And I said, uh, uh, it's, you know, he's moving from Windows to a Mac because he, he heard this is easier on a Mac. And I said, it is indeed true, but you'll have to do certain things and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'll get a kick out of doing that. He's got 10,000 photos and there's a lot of duplicates. And I said, I can't tell you how long it'll take because it depends on whether your duplicates all have different dates on them. Because if that happens, then what are you going to do, right? It's really hard to remove all the duplicates, but... So now, KJ, for you and I, yes, go on. We need to consider as two thirds of the triumvirate that is the shed dogs. Mm. When he receives an avalanche of paid assignments from our listening audience, because of this, uh, this because of the free advertising he's getting here, <laughs> what's the podcast cut of his revenue going to be? Like mm. the idea thing is usually ten percent if I'm feeling good, and twenty if I'm not. So. 
If you are looking for this kind of service, be sure to contact me at richtench at (laughs) gmail.com. And uh, do make sure and mention if you heard it here first on sheddogs.ca. Yeah, for a little, what do they offer, discounts or something. Yeah, it's just, yeah. And uh, other members of the Shed Dogs also offer chauffeuring services. Well, that's the problem. I can't can't do that. As well as life coaching. Life coaching I can do. (laughs) Absolutely. I can do some business writing for you, too. I've done a little bit of that as well. That's going to come in at a little higher rate. Yeah, I can't I can't offer my fabulous shuttle. I could be somebody's driver though. Somebody wants to hire me just as a driver. And you would not consider taking the extra class four training and becoming an Uber driver? No, 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 no. No. Nope. Oh, that's all coming up, isn't it? Yep, sure is. Uh, uh, that they would take an uh, Uber instead of you? No, no. The thinking I go through on this is oh. they're making Uber drivers jump through a bunch of regulatory hoops in order to be able to do that business here in the lower mainland. And they're doing it so that they can allow that business to come here and not be blamed for anything bad that comes out of it, like customers that are stranded or attacked or Probably a whatever. level playing field thing too with the there's taxi. There's a level business. playing yeah. field yeah. thing, absolutely. And then there's also a liability thing, right? Like, so if an Uber guy has a customer and gets into an accident, what's going to happen to that customer once the Uber guy's insurance is exhausted? Who's going to then, you know, it's the same conversation you'd have if you or I, if I was just driving you in my personal car and we had an accident, you were hurt. Same question, but... I think the government is trying to do its best by the population by trying to cover some of these bases. So the difference between me and an Uber driver is I work for a company that has a way bigger financial pocket than your average Uber driver Uber driver is going to have, right? So they're going to make <clears throat> the Uber drivers jump through a whole bunch of hoops to try to minimize the likelihood that there will be trouble. And I don't think they'll make me do it because I work for a company that's going to cover me anyways. Not going to cover me. It's going to cover their liability. It also adds to their complexity of the bill, you know, to have yeah. to keep considering because once you do that, then there's another boundary issue to consider with something else. Next thing you know, you're legislating the entire yeah. driving industry. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think it'll happen. But the other, the flip side of the argument for me is, well, I drive people around for money and I have no qualification whatsoever other than my class five and six in my case and a whole bunch of years of accident-free driving. So... I could be anybody. So related to driving, Sue just texted me that uh, on Kingsway in a three to six zone, it was 304 and there were tow trucks pulling people away from the, like no no people, which is very, very satisfying. Don't they have to, doesn't there have to be a ticket on the vehicle? No, there's certain zones where you get towed immediately. Like a truck truck can show up and take you. Yeah, I was towed one day. Um, Ooh, that's evil. I parked right in a three to six zone and I got back out. The car was gone. And in certain traffic situations, you could literally cause a eight block tie up. And just because you feel that your life is, you know, like you get to have your extra minutes, like who's yeah. counting, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to finish this yeah. uh, latte while yeah. it's still hot. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you already did the closing, right? And everything? No, I didn't. I was okay. just going to also... Rock tell our listening audience that they should also thank us for not letting me talk about my latest adventure in tax returns <laughs> as I got myself pretty lit up yesterday over all that. And we can go into that another time. 
because I'm sure that it's just me. Looking forward to that one, Skinny. Yeah, I know. Honestly. I is can't that, let that pass. Is that on the list? No. I'm sorry. I just... I know well, we should exclude it just has it on to do... that basis, on that technicality, but <laughs> I need to hear. <laughs> what the hell did you get yourself into this time? Nothing serious. First of so, all, why are you so late? Oh, because... because Tell you why I'm so late. Because last year I did it on time, uh-huh. and I used the automatic download of everything CRA has. Which we covered and, about 10 yes, episodes we did. back. And CRA didn't turn out to have everything, I don't think. So the result was seven months after I filed, they reassessed which in English means they did their first actual look at my return seven months after I'd filed it, found that I'd missed something. I had a fine and late charges and everything. So this year I just thought, oh, I don't even want to think about my taxes. I just don't. But, you know, yeah, it's mid-July, probably got to do it. So I start looking. And uh, yeah, it's, as you go further into it, you sort of think, huh, the province of BC is a pretty large employer, yeah? So they submitted the electronic version of my T4A to CRA on June 4th. June 4th, ladies and gentlemen. Why were they? They, they weren't. Because they submitted a version in error yeah. on about March 6th yeah. that only contained one field. I had that one. And yeah. they submitted the amended version that had my actual income and taxes paid on June 4th. Yeah. And yet, if I am dependent on that electronic file in order to get my stuff done, I'm liable for a fine for being late. Yeah, you're not dependent on the electronic one because they did send you the correct paper one. Did they send it to me a time? I don't know. They probably did. Yeah, they did. But I just, I found myself getting annoyed by the fact that they can file, the province of BC can file two months late. Took them forever to find the error, no just, doubt. Just unbelievable. And think of all the people who filed using the wrong one, just stupidly bad, bad, did the wrong thing. And then as you read further and further, you realize, well, geez, so the CRA is likely to have made money from the province. There's going to be some sanction against the province for being so late with the correct forms. And they're going to make money going as well from all the people that file late because the electronic version the correct electronic version wasn't available for two months after the filing did. Yeah. I don't think anybody files late because of that. I don't know. They certainly file incorrectly because of it. And yes. Get incorrect. Fine for that too. Well, no, because in this case, the error that they made actually benefits the, uh, makes you pay more tax than you should. Cause I know this particular situation that happened to me as well. Same employer, same pension. Uh, sorry, the error I saw was it didn't show my gross income or my tax paid. Oh, mine showed the gross income, but not the tax paid. Yeah. So, so I had to actually, you know, repay that tax. Yeah. I would have had to, but I did, I just didn't use the electronic In my case, one. I would have ended up with a return that said, basically, you're good. Oh, okay. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, dude. Yeah. And it wouldn't have reported any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I got myself. And then as I read further, also, there are other forms that they just don't have available electronically. They just don't. Yeah, we talked about that. You just can't count on the electronic yeah. ones. And then I sort of think, why provide a service that you're not going to be accountable for? It's kind of not, I don't know. Like, I'm aware that I have a bit of an unbalanced reaction to that. I, I get real cranky real fast, and I shouldn't because it is. They do have all kinds of caveats in there about don't think this is complete. Don't assume it's complete. Might not be good. And now we made everybody listen to it. So sorry, everybody. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> all right. Time, That's it. That time is to bring it. your perky self back in. That is it. We are done. 
We are finished. We're cooked. We're spent. We've used up every ounce of our chi on this podcast. So we hope that finds its way to you and upgrades your chi. And if you need to talk to us about chi or anything else, you can get to us at sheddogs.ca. Some of you did, and we we just relish those user comments. They're a lot of fun. They drive a lot of content too. As we we even like the listener mail. <laughs> what have I? What do I keep saying? User comment three times. Eh? Wow. Yeah, that too. Don't make a comment about me constantly mixing up the terms listener mail and user comments. Just don't make a comment about that. I want to hear that. <laughs> um, anyways, thanks so much. Take care of yourselves, and we'll look forward to seeing you again. Bye. 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 Yeah, we're starting to exceed the length of the uh, outro music. <laughs> <laughs> I put that in the user guide. Did you? Get, yeah, user guide, right? You got to cut it off after a certain. <laughs> if it sounds like the outro is going to go way longer than the five minutes or whatever. Well, yeah, what I said is you either shorten the outro or find yourself some longer music. Because I've done that before. I did, uh, you know, like the um, girl from Ipanema. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But can't you just introduce the music later in the outro? You could do that. But one of the nice things is when the music starts to fade in, and it hammers in at a certain point, just as he's all perky. Uh, and it really goes nicely together. In the user guide, I keep referring to his perkiness, but I've, I've been using my, like, finding different words. He keeps calling uh, it stuff like, strangely this, <laughs> yes. or disturbingly that. You know, and I'm like, just changing it each time. But, uh, yeah. Shut her down, boy. Shut her, shut her down, down, boys. That was good. <laughs> I don't know if the tie really carried me that far today.